Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you today? Well, I'm so glad. And as people start to come on in, those online, I'm, we're so glad. Put your hands together and just say, we're so glad they're watching. And that, oh, God will just continue to work in us and through us. And so we're going to go into the Lord. Let's give praise to God. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you because you are a good and great God. And so, Lord, we surrender this day to you, to the audience of one. We ask this in Jesus' name. And our God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Give the, give, put your hands together. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. It's always great to celebrate a birthday. And uh, I want to tell you, your pastor has a pastor's heart. You, you know that. If you just started to come to this church, you'll find that out. I say that because not every pastor who has the title pastor has a pastor's heart. They're not always a good shepherd. Just having a title doesn't mean that you live it out, but he does. And, uh, and it's a team effort. We're sorry that Paula's not been feeling good. Pray that God will touch her. And um, I met this young couple. <clears throat> well, they were younger then. He was younger. His wife's still young. Uh, 22 years ago and a few after that because uh, we had just come to uh, Carney's Point in 99 and just a couple of years later, you guys came here to Salem. And then uh, we had a chance to meet at the beginning, and then your boys came to our youth group when our son Kevin and Nikki were heading up Club Encounter. So we know each other for a while. We've had a lot of fun together, doing a lot of stuff together, especially hunting. One great thing about your pastor, he likes to eat good food. Venison is the top choice of red meat, I'm just telling you. There's no additives. There's no chemicals. There's no, it's lean beef, I'm just telling you. Um, but anyway, we have a lot of fun together in a lot of ways, and uh, God bless you on this, uh, what birthday is it, 39, 40? I, I, I lost, I, think, I can't remember anymore, I, 
You notice, you notice as we get older, they don't put all the candles on the cake. They give us one candle or, or two that spell out the age that we are, okay? Because they don't want a fire to start. Um, but it's good to be with you today. My wife thought she might join us. She's doing nursery duty at the other first AG in Carney's Point. But uh, thank you, Pastor Brian, for serving God, not just talking it, but living it. And that is so valuable. So you tell friends that don't go to church anywhere. You know, one of the problems in our culture is when you talk to people that don't go to church, usually they can tell you a bad experience they had about church. They can go way back to whenever and, oh, guess what this person said and that person did. And, oh, that pastor was and the deacon and, and all that kind of junk. Tell them there's a pastor here that really loves God and he lives it. Maybe they'll come and they'll be refreshed to say, wow. We're glad we came here to First AG in uh, Mannington, Salem, and uh, they'll change uh, their life's direction. So thank you for letting me come and share on this uh, special day. I'm a fill-in, kind of like you filled in for your wife this morning. I'm <laughs> filling in for you. We got a lot of subs here, don't we, on the substitutes? How many of you like when a substitute comes, those of you in school? You know, it's, a, it's just a free day. The substitute stands up there and says, okay, just be quiet. You want to read your comic book, you want to be on your phone, you want to do whatever, just don't make any noise so the principal comes to the room, okay? I'm just a sub today, all right? Your teacher will be back, and then you'll be have to learn again. So anyway, we hope that you'll plug into God daily. And um, you saw my thoughts because they're in the bulletin. And uh, God wants you, believe it or not. God wants you, believe it or not. And I'm going to read the text, which is a familiar passage of Scripture which many of you have read, you've heard sermons on. I need to tell you that Esther is one of my great heroes. Heroines, I should say. When I read her story, and I've read it many a times, I'm just so impressed. And God has given us many people like that all through Scripture and in our lifetime. So the key verse is Esther 4, verse 14. For if you remain silent at this time, Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for such a time as this. Put your name in there where that word you is, and who knows that you have come to a royal position. Your royalty in Jesus, by the way, for such a time as this. I took that phrase, believe it or not, because some of you struggle with the thought that God could use you. And uh, when we were younger and our children were younger and, and at home, we, we tried to do a lot of different family vacations. And uh, one time we were up in Canada and we visited a Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. Another time we were down in Florida and we visited a Ripley's, believe it or not, museum. How many of you have ever gone to a Ripley's, believe it or not, museum? How many have ever heard of Ripley's, believe it or not? Am I talking to? Okay, a few people. When I was a kid, the uh, Reading Eagle, the newspaper from Reading, PA, that we got in the country, almost always had a little cartoon kind of thing. And it was a clip from Ripley's, believe it or not, and had one of these kind of unbelievable stories. And you saw that if you visit museums. By the way, uh, from what I read, there's 30 Ripley's, believe it or not, muse museums all over the world. If you'd like to visit one, I think the closest one here that I saw was Ocean City, Maryland. So if you have a day you want to drive down to Ocean City, when it's nicer, you can walk the beach, go to a museum, check it out. Here's one of the unbelievable facts that I found in my study. 
this amazing story. In 1937, a Polish bricklayer, I want you to get that phrase, a bricklayer made a violin. But he didn't just make a regular violin. What's pretty impressive, he's decided to make his violin out of matchsticks. 16,000 matchsticks, to be, be precise. He, of course, he started them and put them out. Can, can you imagine that? Believe it or not, but it really is a fact. And um, this guy, uh, he, uh, I don't know how he went from a bricklayer to making violin. Why even, what, what, what thought was, but it's amazing what you can do with a few things. If you have a mind, create. That's, isn't it neat how God speaks to us about things he wants us to do and how um, he helps us? So I'm going to do a little Bible quiz with you. These are some maybe, believe it or not, figures for the people that were called. And, and you can yell out if you know who the person is. Some of these are going to be easy, okay? I was 80 years old, and I stuttered when God said, I want you. Moses, okay, so far. Good, good. I was 65 when an angel said I would give birth to a son. I laughed. I was a young 90 when my son was born. Sarah, you guys are good. You're two, two for two. I told the Lord my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. Something about the word 300 goes with this. Ah, who said it? Gideon. Okay, that was a clue. Okay. I was overlooked by my dad when the prophet came to anoint the second king of Israel. David. I and my wife, remember this because a few weeks ago I mentioned this phrase. I and my wife were well stricken in years. When the angel said, we're going to have a son, because I expressed unbelief, I became mute, unable to talk until our son was born. Zachariah. Zachariah. <laughs> no, Zachariah. I was so short, I climbed a sycamore tree to see the Lord. No, no, no. Mordecai's in our story here, Nestor, but Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee... How many remember singing that song? Man, we climbed up into a sycamore tree for the Lord. He wants to... And also about Zachariah, Zacchaeus, excuse me, he got saved. Here's, here's when you know you're really saved. This guy was a bad tax collector, took advantage of people. He got saved, and he promised to give half of his possessions to the poor, half of them, not just 10%, and to pay back four times the amount to anybody he cheated. No wonder Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. See, when God gets your wallet... He pretty much has your heart. And you've heard your pastor talk about that many times. If he doesn't have your wallet, he doesn't have your heart. But if he has your wallet, and you're willing to do what he tells you to do, especially with the tithes and the offerings, he probably has your heart. Um, <clears throat> I was a hated tax collector, and Jesus called me to be one of his disciples. Matthew, pretty easy one. I was responsible for the stoning of Stephen before my conversion on the road to Damascus. Saul comes Paul. Okay, how about this one? I was a left-handed left deliverer of Israel from the Moabites, and I killed Eglon, king of Moab, with the sword in my left hand that I drew from my right side. Who am I? That was probably not a familiar character for you. Who said it? You're right. Your son, he's been listening to all those years growing up. 
you may find a story. The reason why that stands out to me is they put in there very clearly, he was left-handed. You notice they don't put anything in there about usually people that are right-handed. But power and might is always the right hand when you read God and the right hand. And if some of you can remember when you were younger, if you were left-handed, there was something wrong. Okay? And I'm not making this up. By the way, I'm a lefty and I'm proud of it. Because God made me this way. I can't write with either hand, just left hand. So um, <clears throat> one day I was in the hospital. It's in the 1970s. I was visiting a, a lady there. We were pastoring a church up above Wilkesbury, a little town of Trucksville. And I was visiting a lady from our church. And uh, for some reason, I write her a note, phone number, whatever. And the lady in the bed next to her said, oh, I see you're a lefty. And I'm like, yeah. She said, I am too. Now, you go back to the 1970s, this woman was almost 80 years old. So when she was going to school, we're going back to like the 1920s, 1930s, she said when I was going to school, they would tie my hand behind my back. So I would have to write with my right hand. Are, are you with me? Some of you can recall some of this if you're going, going back a few years. I'm not making this up. And then at home, like I guess her parents would smack her on the hand, she went to write with her left hand. And with a twinkle in her eye, she said, I am still a lefty. Yes. yes. What a great spirit, lady. I, I went to that as I, I get a little, I'm, I'm still a lefty. I was a teenage virgin around 16 when the angel arrived and told me I would give birth to Jesus. Okay, these are some pretty basic ones. Okay, now I'm going to ask you some questions from those who aren't in Scripture and see if you can name the names of some of these people that I'm going to mention. I was saved and called by God to be a missionary in China. In 1853, at age 21, I made my first trip to China to evangelize. I eventually founded the China Inland Mission and spent 54 years in China. Anybody else besides your pastor? I know he already has it. Da, da, da. Okay, say it out loud. What? No, no, another one. Hudson Taylor. Okay. Hudson Taylor. I got an old book in my hand. Tattered. Got taped. Hudson Taylor. Written by family years later. Dr. and Mrs. Howard Taylor. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Um, history records that his ministry was responsible for bringing over 800 missionaries to the country who started 125 schools and directly resulted in over 20,000 Christian conversions. Hudson Taylor. I grew up on a dairy farm, and I got saved at age 16 at an evangelistic service where Dr. Mordecai Ham was preaching. Whoa, that was quick. I told God a number of times I did not want to be a preacher. You don't believe that? It's right here in this big book I'm working through. Story of Billy Graham. I read this from the sleeve. Billy Graham has touched the hearts and souls of millions with his message of faith. Now for the first time ever, Dr. Graham tells his life story in a momentous work of insight. Hailed as the world's preacher, his calling as an evangelist has taken him to every nation from Europe to Asia, from major capitals to the most remote outposts. His crusades have spanned 50 years, and he's been part of history in the making and friend to every president since Eisenhower. A pioneer in social issues, 
He refused to preach to segregated audiences in the South. He is led by his extraordinary example of integrity. That's just a little bit of the clip. Of course, this was written while he was still alive. My wife and I had a chance to participate in two Billy Graham crusades where we were there for the whole week. We went to sessions during the day by different speakers and so forth. And then um, we served as counselors. And the one was up in Boston, and then the other one was in Pittsburgh. Billy Graham has been responsible for more than 100 million people around the world. We don't even have all the stats of how many people have come to Christ with all his crusades. He did not want to be a preacher. What do I have for you, God? I'm just a young kid on a dairy farm. It's all here in the book. Um, here's another one. I grew up in a gypsy family, and I got saved at age 16 and worked with the Salvation Army for six years. I had no formal education. I had to learn to read and write. God called me to be an evangelist. I preached and sang the gospel. So preaching and singing, Pastor Brian. <laughs> preaching and singing. Okay. In fact, there were times when he was preaching, he'd just break out in a song that went along with his sermon. Who am I? No, but he worked with Booth for the Salvation Army for six years. Key is, uh, I grew up in a gypsy family. Gypsy Smith. And here's an autobiography of him, which my wife just finished reading. Good to see you, hon. Kids didn't worry out. Kids didn't worry out at first AG up there in Carney's Point. Gypsy Smith, Rodney Gypsy Smith, a British evangelist born in 1860 who conducted evangelistic services in the U.S. and Great Britain for over 70 years. It was in Boston in 1896 when 116,000 people attended his crusade that Gypsy Smith was given the title of the greatest evangelist in the world. He knew that God could change lives and work through whoever came to him regardless of their wealth or status in life. He said, St. Paul's Cathedral is nothing but a glorified quarry if Christ be out of it. And my old gypsy tent is a cathedral when Christ is in it. Wherever Christ is present, stuff is happening. Gypsy Smith. My wife finished reading this book. And uh, by the way, when you plug into Jesus, you want to get all you can. And you want to look at the lives of other people, how they lived. These kind of books, I'm, I'm partway through reading this one, Hudson Taylor. I started reading this one, and I started reading every multitask with reading. I got like three books going on. And then my wife just handed me this one because she finished it. I might have read it years ago. Corey Ten Boom's Prison Letters. You want to talk about another fantastic person who served God, let out of prison. They said it was a clerical error. We know it was a God thing. And tromped all over the world telling people about Jesus. You've seen movies that Billy Graham Evangelistic Association made, The Hiding Place. Awesome. I raised 11 children, and then I answered the call of God to go to Italy as an older woman to tell my people about Jesus. Any guesses? Honey? My grandmom. Now, I've talked about my grandmom before. But I'm, she's included in this list of people that you think, well, God doesn't want me. 
Believe it or not, he does want you. No matter what your, your situation. My grandmother came to America, and I've said this before, but it's part of my sermon. She came when she was 10 and a half years old on a boat through Ellis Island, came legally, became a citizen, along with her other family that was there. And uh, she ended up in Reading, Pennsylvania. And in Reading, Pennsylvania, she got married. It was an arranged marriage, which was often the case. She was like 15 years old. The guy she married was much older than her. And um, she had six children with that man. And then he died. And then she married again. Had five more children. And then that guy died. Now, you want to talk about circumstances. My mother never met her father. My grandmother was expecting my mother. My mother was still in my grandmother's womb when her father died as part of the Spanish influenza epidemic that spread through America in the late 1900s, 1917, 18, 19, somewhere in there. My grandmother had very little formal education, but she came from Italy. She knew the Italian language. She learned English because she felt that's what she needed to do since she was living in America. She was a very devout, very devout Roman Catholic, but she wasn't born again. She didn't know Jesus as her Lord and Savior. You can be a devout person attending Assembly of God Church and not be born again. You have to make that a personal choice. I choose to follow Jesus. Just because you're a member of some church doesn't mean you're a believer. And, and I've said this before, my grandmother got saved because she got healed. We still believe that God heals. We still believe for miracles, as Pastor said this morning. We believe that God is still on the move, and he's touching people's lives, and he's opening hearts, and he's removing blinded eyes. My grandmother was dying of tuberculosis. It was like 1926. She was like 34 years old, and someone invited her. Don't stop inviting people to church. Someone invited her to a healing service in writing, and God instantly healed her that night. The doctors said there was no cure. She had actually died a couple of times they'd revived her. There was no cure in the 1920s for tuberculosis. But God, who's still a great physician. She went back the next night, heard the message, and gave her life to Jesus. And then she got plugged into church. She started to read the Bible because she was in the Catholic Church. She weren't encouraged to read the Bible. She started reading the Bible. And then she started to go to the Assembly of God Church in Reading, Church of God Pentecostal in Reading, and she also was part of the Italian Pentecostal Assembly in Reading. And she was no nonsense about serving God. She was plugged in. There was a service one day. And she was there. And the man speaking said, all of you that would like to be a missionary, I want you to come forward. And my grandmother walked up to the front. And as she would tell the story, she was like, by the way, <clears throat> she was in her late 40s. Back then that was really old, so you're... You're young. Well, maybe not. And there were a couple of people saying, oh, Sister Caddy, Sister Caddy. You, you, you. He's wanting younger people. He's wanting younger people. How old was Moses? He was 80 years old when God said, get out of the shepherd business and I want you to deliver your children, uh, children of Israel. And she went forward. And from that start, she made a decision that she was going to be a missionary to her people. That was the beginning. And God began to put things in her life. This book right here has my grandmother's autograph inside it because this was her book. This is taped up. This has been read. As I'm reading through this, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for people who've gone before us, who set an example. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he went by the slow boat to China. Okay? There was no communication with anyone back home. It would take months for letters to get back and forth. 
He went in the middle of nowhere. He went, there was a civil war going on. But he knew God sent him to go there. And in spite of all the obstacles, he went. And the results are seen in lives that are still serving God in China and around the world. And my grandmother was inspired by Hudson Taylor. And I'm reading through this book here. And I'm like, I'm kind of laughing at myself because back in the day, they didn't have like some of the scotch tape. She has like some white tape, like kind of stuff you use when you cut yourself and you make a little bandy thing, that, that old stuff. She has that tape of some of these pages together. She has underlying stuff. She, I don't know how many times she read this book, but it's tattered. You need to get a hold of stuff that will inspire and challenge you to go further with God and to say yes to what he says in your life. Don't make excuses. All these people I named could have made excuses, and they did. Well, I can't, I can't go. I just stutter. God said, who made your mouth? Oh, we're too old to have a kid. Really? Nothing's impossible with God. Sarah, Sarah and Abraham, were, she was 90, he was 100. How many ladies are going to sign up for that one? You crazy? What if God showed up? What if an angel showed up at your tent? Would you laugh? That's what Sarah did. But God's word was true, and she had a child. I helped, my, my grandmother made, by the way, made four trips to Italy as an old woman. And by the way, none of her kids thought, some of her kids thought she was crazy. I'm talking my uncles and aunts. There were 11 of them. My mom was one of the 11. She wasn't crazy. She was being led by God. This Christmas, my son and his wife surprised me, and I was about ready to cry with him right now. And... He located the passenger record of one of her trips, and you can do this because this here is from directly from Ellis Island, where they kept a record of ships going out. And uh, the second second person here on this boat is Carrie Archer. Archer, shortened from Archie and it was uh, September fifth, nineteen fifty-two, and she arrived in New York, left from Genoa, Italy and arrived in New York September 18, 1952. Have her record over here and the whole script here. Just, just awesome. She went and she did what God told her to do, and she took Bibles for her people so they could actually read the Word of God. And she was old. I have a picture of her in the back of an ox cart riding up over mountains in Italy. So what's your excuse? God can't use you? He doesn't want you. Well, I'm here to tell you, believe it or not, God wants you. Every one of you. Every one of you. And your church is ready to just institute a new vision here of moving forward. You're going to hear more of that from your pastor. God wants each of us, and he needs each of us. So here's another one. I helped get Bushels of Blessings started. Bushels of Blessings is the ministry First AG in Carney's Point, we partner with you guys, and you do the same thing with feeding people. I helped get the ministry started. And I put his card right here next to the first annual harvest dinner of Bushels of Blessing, which was September 30th, 2012. And his name is Clarence Johnson. He just died recently. He was a farmer in, in the whole area here. And you know what's nice about Clarence? He didn't just talk about Jesus. He lived Jesus. And one of the farmers that we go to before he retired said to me one day, that Clarence Johnson, he's really a Christian. Our, our gal who had the vision to start 
that ministry of gleaning and getting food to help needy people in Salem County, Michelle Montemorno, she went to talk to Clarence Johnson. And Clarence Johnson said, here's the names of the farmer. You tell them I sent them. I sent you. That's how it started. Clarence Johnson, home with the Lord. He served God. He also started the Christian Farmers Association. And if you ever go to Salem County Fair and go through the main building, you'll see the Christian farmers at one corner. And they're sharing the gospel every single day they're there. Clarence Johnson. I sang to our neighbors, children, and our home, and I also played music. One of the songs was Jesus Loves the Little Children. Who am I? Linda Holt. The reason I point that out is because just recently, my wife had a birthday. <clears throat> 39. <clears throat> 39 again. And a neighbor girl who was five years old when we lived in Trucksville sent her a happy birthday. And then she said, I remember in your house singing Jesus Loves the Little Children and how it made me feel so good. That girl is like 47 years old now. And she still remembers that. So you think you're not important? You think that something you do doesn't mean anything? You're wrong. If you say yes to God, he can use your life in so many ways. Sorry, I, I don't mean to be crying, but that's why I carry a handkerchief with me. Here's a verse that you all know. Um, it bears repeating daily. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. For it's written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligence of the intelligent, I'll frustrate. Where's the wise man? Where's the scholar? Where's the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, excuse me, for since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. This church, your pastor, until the day he dies, he will preach Christ crucified. And you ought to be glad you have a pastor. A stay is true to God's word when we have churches that have compromised. And they believe everything and anything that our culture says is okay except God's word. We preach Christ crucified. And uh, it's a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to the Greek Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And then this phrase here, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become 
for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. When people looked at the gypsies, they didn't have a really good thought about gypsies. But God did. And a lot of things about the gypsies weren't true that people thought. And God raised up a young man who had no formal education, whose mother died when he was young, and called him to preach around the world the gospel message, Gypsy Smith. Smith. So then I would downplay, oh, well, I, I, I don't have this, I don't have that. God knows all that stuff. Um, but again, he chooses you to serve him. Psalm 139, uh, again, a, a powerful passage, but, but one that you know, most of us here have read time and again. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them were I to count them, turn page, they would outnumber the grains of sand. That's a familiar passage, Psalm 139, uh, verses 13 through 18. So we celebrate Pastor Brian's birthday today, 61, am I right? I got it right? And, and I want to say to you today, we celebrate all of your birthdays created by God as his special treasure. He arranged the exact date of your birth. He chose you to be either a male or female, man or woman. He decided on your hair color. I know you can dye it and change it. Mine used to be dark, by the way. It snowed and it never melted. He chose your eye color. He chose your height. Everything. He determined who your parents were, who your brothers or sisters would be, where you were born, the color of your skin, your language, etc., Each person that I previously mentioned had their flaws. Isn't it great to know that God works through broken vessels who say yes to him? He is always looking for availability, not ability. You've heard this phrase time and again. He doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. That's why there's hope for all of us. Well, Lord, I don't have this and I don't have that. That's not what I'm asking for. Will you say yes to me? I'll equip you. I'll give you the tools. I need your heart. He's always asking for our heart. Talk about me. I was a shy kid, man. You think I'm going to stand up in front and talk to people? I'm, I'm always rushing against the clock now. I can use 90 seconds in my first public speaking class in, in college. Like, what am I going to say for 90 seconds? Now my wife will tell me, oh, honey, it's time to. I'm not done yet, but hang on. Um, too short? There was Zacchaeus. Too short. I, I'm, driving, I'm driving some school vans off and on, working at Riverfront with Missy, and she's a good, good boss under the, the main boss. But thank you, Missy. You, uh, you keep that business together. Running that office, I, I don't know how you do it. That's not my cup of tea. I'll the computer and all these phone calls. Anyhow, Mrs. Wren was our main bus driver bus driver for many years when I was growing up. We lived in the country. We had like five miles to school, many stops in between. I think she was four foot eight and real slim. And she was driving the big school bus. 
Most of them back then in the 50s did not have power steering. They did not have adjustable seats. They did not have an automatic transmission. In fact, some of them you had a double clutch or you grind the gear shifting. I'm not making this up. Most of the time the heaters didn't work in the winter and in the summer there was no air conditioning, you opened the windows. And it was uphill, and you know, because you grew up with me, you understand, same time frame. That's right, that's right. I'm telling you what, we, our hot breath created some heat in the bus. Mrs. Wren was so short, she had blocks of wood fastened to her pedals so she could reach the pedals. I am not exaggerating. She ran a tight ship. She was a great driver. And she was very patient because six kids running down the hill getting to school late, she'd be waiting there and beeping horn and waiting. She was just great. And one day, you know, back in the day, someone said, we never canceled school when we were kids. We walked to school. I said, yeah, in the city, you walked to school. Don't remember what the snow was. And we didn't cancel all the time in the country. I remember one day on a country road, Mrs. Wren, not even four foot eight, gets out of the bus. There's already like three inches of snow on the ground. It's snowing like crazy. She gets out, opens the door, pulls some chains out, puts them on, rolls over them, straps them up, and keeps on driving to school. What's your excuse? I'm just saying. What's your excuse? See, we limit ourselves, don't we? Well, I'm this, I'm that. And God doesn't want to hear that stuff. He just wants to say, can I use you? How about left-handed Ehud? I mean, please, left-handed. Can God use a left-hander? How many lefties? Oh, we have a few. Phew, God, I was not talking to my Just me. I'm like, wow. God can use anybody. Just got to say yes. So here's Esther's story. And I'm summarizing this real quick. And you've read the story. I just finished reading this book that was given to me by my sister for such a time as this, an old paperback. I've read numbers of things on Esther. Here's the story of Esther. A wicked man, Haman, wants to destroy all Israel because Mordecai won't bow down to him. Gets the king's orders to do that, all that kind of stuff. Esther has been snatched from her family. She's as part of the group that they're looking for the new Miss America, actually Miss Persia. And um, there she is. And uh, an edict has been proclaimed to destroy all the Jews on a certain day. Mordecai comes to her and he brings a message of what's happening. So here's how Esther's story is. I, I liken it to up. Wake up. You can write these points down. They're real simple. Wake up, Esther. Open your eyes. You're in the king's palace. Here's what's happening around us. I mean, really, wake up. Do you ever talk to somebody and you think they're not listening, they're not there? Their other eyes, or, or they're looking at their watch, or they're pulling out their phone, what, you know, or they're talking in their sleep. Do you ever talk in your sleep? It can get you in danger. My brother was woke up one time when he was a teenager because his best buddy showed up at our house in the country and wanted to borrow my brother's car. And my, my mom said, Yeah, I guess go upstairs and wake him up. He's sleeping. He went upstairs, woke him up. My brother said, Yep, you can have the car, game the keys. And, my, my, his brother's, my friend Ronnie took the car and went his way. My brother wakes up hours later, goes out to get his car, and his car's gone. He has no recollection of a conversation he had with his friend Ronnie. I'm not making this up. It's like crazy. He's ready to call the police. Someone stole my car. In the country where we lived, we left the keys in the car? Someone stole his car? Really? My mom said, oh, your friend Ronnie was here. You told him he, he could have your car to use. I did? See, you got to wake up. I mean, really be... Waking up in Christ and wake up to what God has called you to do. And then if you wake up, sometimes you come to church and you're like, oh, the pastor's like, 
Wake up. Then it's listen up. Listen to what God wants to say to you. Mordecai is talking to Esther. Mordecai raised Esther. Mordecai was a cousin to Esther. Her parents had died. He raised her like a father. Now he's saying, wake up. Okay, I got your attention. Now listen up. Listen to what's going on. Now, I need you to stand up. I need you to go to the king. Who knows, but you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God's placed you there. Esther gets the message, but before she goes to stand up, she needs to fast and pray up. And she told the people around her and the Jewish community, fast with me for three days, and I will fast. And then, after that, she went to stand up to the king and to speak up. Now, this is a great story. This is just a great story. So, what am I saying to you today? Wake up, listen up, fast and pray up, stand up and speak up, and God will show up. Don't ever forget the last part. You've got to make sure you're doing what God wants you to do. We know the story of Esther, how she saved all her people. It's just incredible. And, and I want to say to you this verse here in um, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. I, I love this uh, verse. So many great verses. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful life. Do you hear what he says about you? You're chosen. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You belong to God. You're precious to him. And uh, could I add the word matchless? You are matchless in God's eyes. Now, I want you to think of Esther for a moment. Both her parents had died when she was younger. She was raised by her cousin Mordecai, who was like a father to her. She was snatched as a teenager now, she didn't have her phone anymore. She wasn't on TikTok. She wasn't talking to her friends. The whole nine yards, there were no phones, by the way, which was probably a relief for the people back then. <clears throat> she was snatched at around 15 or 16, that's how old she was, from her village and people by the king's messengers to be a part of the Miss Persia beauty contest for the next queen for King Xerxes, his Greek name, or Ashtaris, I call him Aha, his Hebrew name. For a full year, she's surrounded by other young virgins being prepared for the meeting with the king. So I want to ask the question. What kind of an attitude might you or I have had kidnapped by the king's men and no escape? You're a teenager for crying out loud. You have all these things to do as a teenager before you have to worry about adulting, Right? That's a phrase now in our culture today because some of our young people have a hard time adulting. I think I was adulting when I was 12. My dad was no nonsense. There's the axe, there's the sledge, get out there and get the wood. No nonsense. We had all kinds of jobs. We learned at a young age to adulting. So she's a teenager. Here's what I want to say. Esther obviously prayed to Jehovah and listened to her cousin, father figure Mordecai, and believed that God was with her and he could take any situation and turn it for the good. And that's exactly what happened. How about you? Do you believe that God can turn anything for the good? Right where you are. What's happening in your life? Everybody has stuff happening in their life. 
when you read these Bible stories, you understand that there's no room for us to have a pity party. You know, we like to sing the song that Hee Haw did years ago. I'm, I'm sorry, some people sing it all the time. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep down depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Hee Haw. And the old guys are sitting on the porch, the hound dogs are laying there like they're half dead in the summer day. Don't be singing that song as one of God's children. You're more than a conqueror through Jesus. You're a precious chosen vessel for God. And God can turn anything for good if he has your heart. If he has your heart. If he has your heart. All through scriptures, God has called people to serve him. When they say yes, great victories are accomplished. You and God together is a winning combination. God calls us chosen, special, royal. And I add the word matchless, which means incomparable, unrivaled, the one and only, peerless, a number 10, if I can use that phrase, which everybody would say. Oh, I understand that. So I need some help here this morning. Can you help me? Oh, I get this young couple right here to help me. And um, we're going to pass out something to all of you. Okay? Uh, this will make it go quicker. That should be enough, okay? All right, would you pass out one, one to a person? You're all being given a match this morning. Please don't light it. Don't light it, okay. I, actually, I don't have enough matches because I need 16,000 for that one. But I was here the day when you had your Christmas Eve service and you all lit the candles. As awesome what happens when everybody lights a candle. I'm reminded that we're called to be the light of the world. So you hold a match in your hand. Most of you have a match by now. And um, before you got that match in your hand, you were matchless. Are you with me? That's another definition of the word meaning <clears throat> without a match. Matchless, okay? Now, my friends, you are still matchless, you're still a number 10, and you are match more. Get it? Because you have a match. Less, opposite is more. You all with me, English class? Okay. So, more or less, you're still God's matchless possession, who he loves and he wants to use, believe it or not. But the match you hold in your hand can't do what it's designed for without something to strike it against. Am I right? Now, you have one of these kind of matches that if it's a good match, you could strike it off a rock and it would light. Or you could strike it off the side of the box like this, and if it's a good match, which that one wasn't. There's a couple in here. See, these are, these are old matches, but one of these, one of these, watch this. No, one of these is not going to light. Well, sometimes that's what happens to us as Christians. That's right. <laughs> I on purpose gave you bad matches so you couldn't light them accidentally in church and start the church on fire. Okay? Some of us um, are, were like the salt that lost its savor. I'll put that there. And it's good for nothing but to throw out, which is the match when it gets wet. Anyway, back to where I'm at. So the match needs something to strike it against. And when you strike it, it lights. And now you can see in the dark and you can start a fire if you choose to. Here's what I'm saying as I'm bringing this to close. 
God and you together, God and me together. Light a light in the darkness. Defeat the devil. Bring hope to the hopeless. Healing to the sick and broken. Peace and comfort to the sad and troubled. Joy to a bitter, joyous heart. Forgiveness of sin and everlasting life in heaven. Does that make sense? That's all biblical. You hear that all the time from your pastor. I'm not saying anything really new. Did you ever attend a wedding and hear a comment like this? Those two are perfect for each other. It's a match made in heaven. You ever hear that phrase? Maybe someone said it about you. When you were up there getting married, those you're married, a young lady <clears throat> said to her fiancé, when we are married, I will help you carry all your burdens and sorrows. He said, I don't have any. And she said, you're not married yet. <laughs> How many are married here this morning? How many are married? Some of you are married, you're widows. How many know that there's a few flaws that happen in marriage, right? Okay, <laughs> you're not married yet. In 1969, Kurt Kaiser wrote a song that some of us here will remember. We were living then. I was a 19-year-old. The song was called Pass It On, and the subtitle was It Only Takes a Spark. It only takes a spark to get a fire going, and soon all those around can warm up and it's glowing. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced, you spread his love to everyone you want to pass it on. Remember that? Second verse, what a wondrous time of spring when all the trees are budding, the birds begin to sing, the flowers start to blooming. We're, not, we're pretty close. We've finished a month or so of winter. We're getting there. It's warm out. This could be snow. That's how it is with God's love. Once you've experienced it, you want to sing. It's fresh like spring. You want to pass it on. I wish for you, my friend, this happiness that I found. You can depend on him. It matters not where you are found. Bound. I'll shout it from the mountaintop. I want the world to know the Lord of love has come to me. I want to pass it on. You and God, God and me, is a match made in heaven. And the devil is no match for the two of you. Are you with me this morning? The devil is no match for a person who says yes to Jesus and is doing what he tells them to do. We see in the story of Esther, it was not just Esther in God, but it was Esther, it was Mordecai, and it was all the Jewish people who were fasting and praying. And Satan and his wicked friend Haman were defeated. It's amazing what can happen when a group of people in a given church are united. And God wants to do so many more things in the life of this church. We have a short clip, if you could bring that up right now. Remember we talked about the violin made out of 16,000 matchsticks, stuff like this? If we can bring that up. I want you to see this clip real fast before we finish this morning. And just, fast, just fast forward that about four minutes. Keep going, keep going, keep going. He's showing the violin there. Okay, right there, stop. And let's hear the sound. We can sound the back. Okay, you can cut it. 
That's the violin made of 16,000 matchsticks. It works. It puts out a beautiful sound. And I'm telling you what, when a church is united, however many there are in a church, it's amazing the beautiful symphony and what God does in defeating the enemy. And this verse in closing, this passage of scripture, which is so powerful, and I, I want you to take this with you when you leave. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. This is Romans 8, 37, 38. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor debt nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are more than conquerors. You and God, me and God together, we are a match for anything that Satan would throw our way, and we win through Jesus. Don't you ever forget that as you move ahead with your life. Lord Jesus, today, we thank you. This entire day, Lord, the worship, the sharing, the, all the things that took place in this service, so important to us, Lord. The celebrating of pastor's birthday, Lord. We just pray blessings on him and Paul as they continue to serve this, this great church. We believe you have many things in store down the road, Lord. The key is, will we be available for you to equip us? Because you don't call the equipped, but you equip the called. Esther had no clue when she was snatched <laughs> that she would one day be a queen. She had no clue that one day she'd be called to stand before the king even when he didn't call her to come and she would risk her life perhaps. But she did it because you were speaking to her, Lord. And her entire nation was saved because of a fearless teenager that did what you called her to do. God, we sometimes let the enemy convince us that the problems are too big. Our culture is so steeped in sin. There's no place to start and turn it around. That is a lie from the enemy. We see in this story, it seemed like there was no hope. The edict had gone out through all the provinces, and everybody was ready for that day to kill all the Jews. But Lord, you turned it around. So my prayer is, Lord, that we would wake up, we'd listen up, we would fast and pray up, we would stand up and we would speak up. And we know that you, God, will show up. We give you praise for that. Bless these people, Lord. Bless them as they serve you faithfully. Bless the pastor, the deacons, all those who serve in leadership in this church, those who teach a Sunday school class, that teach youth that work with rangers, missionettes, whatever ministry it may be, pick children up, adults and bring them in the van. God, they're all important to you. Every one of these things that we do in the life of this church. And we give you praise for a church that is still proclaiming the good news. Bless each member, I pray, and add to this flock in many, many multiples, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Brian, thank you for letting me share on your birthday. Thank you, folks, for letting me come again today. God bless you. We love you. It's all yours. Amen. 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 Give God praise in the house of the Lord. Amen. You are, you are so matched. <laughs> praise the Lord. God is good. Could you stand to your feet? We're, Pastor and I are going to end in a song. And um, we're going to end in a song. We just want you to go out with a song in your heart. Um, we're going to sing past this song. 
Put your mic on. Yes. We're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. We worked on this. Not. Not. <laughs> this is a song that's important to pass. You know, we were talking about, my son brought it up actually about all the different songs that, you know, different pastors have, and I have one, and talked about his. And so his song is evangelistic because it's, it's a song about us sharing the gospel. And if you look at a match, it's also your life, and your life only burns for so long. And you got to make sure that you take your match and you light someone else up. And they, right. they you know, it's got to remember something. Who's, what have you impacted? Who are you impacting? Who are you sharing your message with? Who are you kind of contacting with? What are you doing? When you're done and dead, okay, when you're, your life is done, what part of you is still going to be here carrying on with the message of Jesus Christ? Because you shared, you planted, you did something. Right. I'm not going to preach. Don't worry about it. But um, let's it's hard for a preacher not to preach. Uh, yeah, when, you're pa when you're passionate about certain things, it's just you can't help it. But let's sing okay. that song on, on closing here. Okay. All right. I have decided. Sing it with us. To follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided. To follow Jesus, a good part. No turning back, no turning back. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, no turning back. Though none go with I like me, still I will follow. Come on now, make that your Though prayer. None go Though none go with you, you're going to be consistent. Still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Give God some praise in the house of the Lord. Let's go out on the highways and byways. Be salt and light. Make a difference. The best is yet to come. God Amen. bless you. Thank you so much for all your wishes, warm wishes. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.